Hello, I'm Phil Smith and welcome to Eurovision in Isolation. The year is 2009 and we are in the Olympsky Stadium in Moscow, Russia. Think of this as your ultimate guide to five songs from any one year's Eurovision. And to guide us through this show, we have four heavyweights of the industry. And by heavyweights, I mean we've all been eating a little bit too much during lockdown. We have the ever-cheerful Alexander Smith. Hi, Phil. The ever-irreverent Daniel Irvin. Hello again, Phil. The ever-mischievous Minnie Meyer. Hi, Phil. And the ever-dower Simon Rickenback. Hi, Phil. 2009 was a it was an interesting year for the interestingly looking because Avatar was the world's highest grossing movie in 2009 but on the flip side Michael Jackson died so strange looking things having a, a rough year. Now, we had the same prime minister for the entirety of 2009 did you know that? <laughs> Can you imagine it? Uh, right Let's get back to the Eurovision at hand and straight in with song number one. Song number one comes from Greece, one of our podcast favourite nations. This is the irrepressible Sakis Ruvas with his song, This Is Our Night. in his third Eurovision appearance here, uh, having first shot to fame in 2004 with his song Shake It and hosting when Greece hosted the contest in 2006. He's a, he's a big star in Greece, obviously, and this is his uh, comeback appearance at Eurovision with uh, This Is Our Night. Sakis is using one of my absolute favourite Eurovision tropes here. Uh, and it's the, this is the night, our night, your night, tonight uh, trope, which is is trotted out by Malta in 2012, Australia in 2015, Germany in 2004. It is just such a recurrent uh, trope. And Sakis pulls it off with style. He has a possibly one of the most elaborate contraptions in Eurovision history. It goes side to side, it goes up and down, it fires sparklers out the side. And that is only Sackis's shirt. Um, no, and, and he also has one of my favourite Eurovision dance moves of all time, where he is just pulsing his chest up and down for about 30 seconds, which I think takes, takes balls. Uh, at which point I will pass this over to some of our other experts. So, um, with that Greek air about him, Simon, what do you think about this? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that it took balls. I think in those white jeans you can almost see a bit of Sackis. <laughs> <laughs> 
why hasn't he got a shirt that fits? Like, it's... He's clearly... He knows he's going to be pulsating and all this. Blah, blah, blah. I love the high-energy performance. He reminds me of going to a nightclub with Alex. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it sort of start the night with not enough buttons done up and it gets slowly worse yes he, he rips his shirt he does rip his shirt for the uh last key change yeah uh, uh, and, and there's a there's a i mean I, I guess you wouldn't call it a nip slip because it's intentional it's more of a sort of here's my nip simon it's funny you say that you're reminded of going on a night out with me because that's how i might have dressed i, I also noted down that i, I think uh, at various points during the song, he's giving the eyes to the camera, and I've I've certainly attempted to give eyes like that out before myself, and I've edited that down. You've had that haircut before as I've well. I've had that haircut. I've had the chest out. Also, it's a, it's an energetic performance, but the, his dance moves as well are very me in sort of you know one one hand in the air, just kind of gyrating and thrusting, not especially good or slick. If anything, yeah. it's a little bit sleazy. Um, I wouldn't call you sleazy, Alex. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. Mini Dan, I also noted down that Sakis, he looks like every single bartender uh, from the bars in Kavos. Yes. Did you sort of feel that as well? <laughs> you feel like yeah. he could have been leading the bar crawl. He looks like John Travolta in Greece, in Greece, if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, Sakis has had a, a varied career. I would be very surprised if he hadn't played uh, Danny Zuko at some point. Or Saturday Night Feta. <laughs> yes. Seriously, though, um, it's a good high energy performance. I think it's, it's, a, it's a sort of popular song from 2009, I can imagine, in that sort of techno-y, disco-y nightclub feel to it. Um, Given the backdrop of everything going on in Greece in 2009 as well with their debt crisis, going to do a bit of a Simon here. Um, I feel like it's pretty, pretty rousing for the country as well. You know, so they could have easily come along and done a mopey old number. But actually, this is this is quite a uh, symbolic song, I, I guess, in so much as, you know, wanting to break free and um, try and set, set the tone right and be a bit more positive about Greece. Fair play and well done. And worth remembering that this is very much the sort of golden era of Greek entries in, in Eurovision. We've had Kalamira the year before. They had a Helena Papritsu winning uh, just four years ago at this point. The Greeks were on fire. And uh, this certainly continues that vibe, you've got to feel. Yeah, although his little platform, I, I did notice when it starts raising up at the end, and he sort of does some stamps on it, and it visibly wobbles. <laughs> well, I mean, I let's talk about the platform, because it has everything you could possibly want it to have, couldn't it? it they are chucking every trick at this book. Um, it's got its light up. It's got a travelator on it. It's got hooks so they can do that Michael Jackson leany sort of thing. It opens up like a stapler with a Greek flag on the inside. It's got everything. It's got sparklers out the outside at the end. What more could you ask for? They have chucked the literal kitchen sink at this. I did think they could have made better use of the the Michael Jackson lean. They sort of they don't commit to the lean at any stage, and so they they sort of they're not leaning far for as far forward as Michael Jackson would, and therefore the the effect I don't think is as strong. 
yeah no you're right and it doesn't sort of have a sort of real wow impact either because it's just sort of during the instrumental you sort of go oh okay yeah as you do with actually a lot of the tricks they've maybe chucked a few too many things at it but i uh i do really love it i th- it, it it brings so much energy and excitement even if the the song is maybe lacking a little bit sorry sakis i love you really um dan we haven't come to you yet what were your thoughts on this yeah, I, th- I think it's good for the purposes of equality that while we have acts with later on tonight with rather a lot of female skin, that we have Sakius here showing his own skin and rather a lot of it. And as Simon's already pointed out, we don't just get an eyeful of nipple. It's it's full on out for about a minute. Um, I think if uh, if they weren't limited to three minutes, the song gone on a bit longer. I think the nipple would have had its own solo. Um <laughs> In terms of the song, I, I think the song's pretty good. It's pretty catchy. It's, it's very Eurovision in that it's just the same kind of lyrics repeated over and over again. Um, but the dance routine's pretty high energy. Yes, I think sleazy is probably a good word of describing it. Um, but I could see a lot of people enjoying this at home and actually picking up the phone to vote for it. Uh, time for everyone's favourite format point. It's the do's and nil poise. So, um, anyone want to give this their do's poise? Would anyone like to give this their nilpois? Lovely. For what it's worth, this would have had my douzepois. I I absolutely adore this song. I think it's great. Um, predictions then. Prediction time. Uh, the songs I have selected for you from 2009 placed 4th, 7th, 17th, 21st, and there is one non-qualifier. So... Let's come to Daniel Irvin. Um, yeah, I I think uh, it's not my favourite song of the night, but actually I think in terms of getting people to pick up the phone, I think this could be our best performer. So I'm going to say this is fourth place. Love your thinking. So we'll come on to song number two. Song number two comes from that Eurovision powerhouse that is Sweden. And Sweden's entry this year is Malina Ernman, who won Melody Festivalen with her song, The Voice. But it was titled in French, so it was called La Voix. Why don't you take us through La Voix avec Tu Voix? Thank you, Phil. And it's nice to see Celine Dion back at Eurovision. Uh, but hearing her, not so much. It's quite strange because she nails the operatic chorus, as mm-hmm. suggested by the title of the song, but struggles with the much less demanding verse. Yeah. Which was very odd and i wondered if it was a slow year for melody festival in this year that she got through but i googled it and it turns out that melfest 2009 was actually uh, had the most entries in the competition's history 
So apparently this was the best of 3,440 entries that year. As they say in Sweden, Mamma Mia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up Melfest. Um, It was a controversial year for sure. Um, Malena won the um, public vote quite comfortably uh, and won it on that. Uh, future Eurovision winner Mon Zemelov uh, actually won the jury vote with his song Hope and Glory that year, um, but then finished disappointing fourth in the in the public vote and uh, Malena went off to Eurovision. What about Simon? What did you make of this? Yeah, like the breathy start is not very good, and then it sort of turns into an operatic football chant. You can almost like you can almost sing along. I'm Sweden till I die in some of the operatic bits. La, da, 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 I can imagine that they they would use this on Sweden's version of Forza Italia, Channel 4's Forza Italia, in the way that that, that sort of began with Golazzo. They could they could put this in as the theme tune for. Swedish match of the day. Niche. Also, because this is our Michael Jackson special, I've decided. <laughs> uh, there's a bit just before it goes into the chorus. It sounds like it could go into the chorus of Earth song. Oh yeah. I also think the dress is really weird because it, it so because she's like sort of classic Swedish look. Uh, with a uh, white dress and the bottom is kind of like it's like a light brown it looks like she's just got it dirty like she's had to wander through a russian oil field to get here she was late i believe i i, I may be making this completely up but if i remember correctly the bottom of her dress is about two thousand goose feathers well there we go i thought it was terrible and now i'm actively scared of it <laughs> It's interesting you you mention her look. I think she looks like a uh, a blonde RuPaul with five Michelle Visages wandering <laughs> round her. I wrote down five Michelle Visage backing dancer clones as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad two of us came up with the same thought. <laughs> uh, so Simon, not a fan. Is that fair to say? Yeah, not for me. Okay, uh, Alex, what about you? Uh, I disagree. I think it's it's something that we've not really covered before. It's not something that you see often at Eurovision. Um, yeah, look, she's an operatic singer. So the sort of less demanding verses, strange that she struggles there, but I think she absolutely nails the operatic bit, so that redeems it. Again, she's an operatic singer. She can't dance. She's got this weird sort of head bobby thing um, going on in some of the camera close-ups, which, I, I, which is quite, quite creepy, actually. But then it's redeemed by the uh, Michelle Visage times five behind her. I, I wrote down that it was pretty flawless. I think the whole the whole thing, she, she performs it really well. She nails some of the key changes. I, I like that the sort of the backing dances and the choreography that they do put in there is quite gentle. It just worked really well. It all, it all, it all came together to me in what was a really flawless performance. Well done, Sweden. Um, it's interesting that a couple of you have have brought up the fact that she struggled on the verses, and I, I completely agree. Uh, I suppose one question I have for the group is, do you think she maybe would have benefited from a, a Stella and Alexandra style approach where they leave her just to the choruses and have someone else tackle the verses? 
Yes, Phil, I actually made a note of that. I said a better execution of this concept would be with two singers, a la Stella and Alexandra. Um, but perhaps that might come across as a bit odd to have uh, somebody just on the, the the low effort parts of the song, really, and then clearly then Malena on the really hitting the hard notes, the, the really the really key notes. I can see the Stella and uh, Alexandra strategy working in the sense that they should have picked something else. <laughs> The other thing I found as well, um, the contortions she has to make with her face and then hold in the delivery of those those big notes. I'm sure it's a, it's a problem that it's something that all opera singers have to do. But unfortunately, with HD cameras in close up of her face, um, to me, it, it reminded me of Ed Miliband eating a bacon sandwich. <laughs> no, for, if judging the singing, she's a, she's a pretty good singer for two thirds of it when she's doing the choruses. <laughs> I think singing's a bit like being a goalkeeper, though. If you uh, cock up any single part of it, that's it. You're done. Right. Now, uh, this song has had something of a renaissance over the last couple of years. Uh, does anyone know why? It's the theme song for Swedish Match of the Day. <laughs> no, it's not. Stop pushing it. It's an episode of What Not to Wear, Sweden. It's the theme tune for RuPaul's Drag Race Sweden. (laughs) Dan, do you have a sensible suggestion for us? I believe Ed Miliband was photographed eating a bacon sandwich. And they said... (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, Malina is a famous mother because her daughter is climate activist Greta Thunberg. Well, she she must be a bit peeved about the whole goose feather thing. Yeah, probably. Right. Uh, do let's start with the nils. Let's mix things up this week. Um, nil pois. Yeah, it's uh, getting my nil pois. Uh, I've just found it a bit wobbling, and I don't really understand why they appear to be dancing in between water coolers. Douze pois. Yep, it's getting my douze pois. I think it's a pretty flawless performance. I love uh, when the staging goes sort of all brilliant white and she's there singing surrounded by the five backing dancers all in black. Uh, compared to some of the stuff today, I thought it was brilliant. There we go. Polar opinions. Wonder if it'd be the last time we see that tonight. Right. Ooh. Predictions, though. <laughs> Sweden. We know these are powerhouses, Sweden. So where do we think these might come? Uh, Simon, you gave it your nil point. Yeah, bottom half, I should think. Um, I can't see too many people picking up the phone for this. And I just think, yeah, I think that Greek entry and some of the others coming up will pivot to the post, so 17th. Okay. Um, Mini? Yeah, I'd say 17 as well, because that's Greta Thunberg's age. Fun fact. Linking it all together. Moving on to song number three. This week we have... Turkey. Turkey no longer in the Eurovision Song Contest for a number of reasons, which we'll cover later on. But one of their late entries, no, that makes it sound like they died. They haven't died, but one of their later on entries before they quit uh, was Hadis in 2009 with her song Dumtek Tek. Can you feel the rhythm in my heart? The beat's going to 
Dum tech tech. Alex. Thank you, Phil. And indeed, fresh from Greece's success or top top five success, I suppose, in 2008 with the gorgeous Calamira, one of Greece's neighbours, Turkey, wheel out their own scantily clad super babe to sing at Eurovision. A little bit like Calamira, unfortunately, she can't really sing. Which is just as well, because I feel like this is more of a dance entry than it is a song entry. They do a lot more dancing than they do singing, or it certainly seems that way. Um, which is just as well, because it's not an enormously memorable song. What is memorable, however, is the shirtless sort of Turkish break dancer that comes on and then sort of does a little bit of kind of Latin with Hadiz. It's not, it's not a good song. It's a good dance to the point where, you know, I understand singing in English now is 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 pretty au fait and pretty pretty popular but surely someone needs to sort of just 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 quick quick little proofread with the translator because one of the lyrics or one of the lines is you are the greatest dancer of all times which <laughs> yeah I got irrationally annoyed about that um you okay so you you bring up a great point and this is a recurrent issue at Eurovision with uh lyrics not really making very good grammatical sense um however it's not a, an issue solely for for turkey or even non-english speaking countries one of the uh, possible entries for the uk a couple of years ago was a song called freedom hearts This is our own language. Dan, what were your thoughts on this one? I got um, huge Shakira vibes from this, but also Yoki Papai vibes. Oh. Um, while nobody's under any illusions why Turkey have given Hadith an outfit that amounts to basically a bikini with a bit of loose cloth attached to the back, um, the ensemble as a whole is clearly inspired by Turkish culture. And this stretches into the music as well. Uh, I'm no expert here, but I can hear a bunch of exotic instruments, drums and various things um, in, on the track. And the fact that they can achieve that and put it into a kind of funky Shakira kind of modern dance song and not lose those, uh, those, the, the, those authentic sounds is exactly what Yoki Papai vibes are all about. It's, it's, it's great. And you're, you're absolutely right, Dan. They, they do have an authentic vibe to this song. And that's potentially one of the areas where the UK struggles. They don't have an authentic sound in the same way that they can bring. We have dabbled in trying with Spanish guitars and, and similar flavours, but we just look like we're being cynical assholes when we use them. Time to get some bagpipes on. No, never time for bagpipes. Does Dum Tech Tech mean anything? Is that is that Turkish or anything like that? Yes, it, it's like the noise that your heart makes. So you could say that it's a bit like boom, bang, a bang, which of course Lulu won Eurovision with in a four-way tie in in the 60s. Can we address the man in the green tracksuit? Yes. Um, is there a rule that you must have a male backing dancer and Turkey have gone with some kind of malicious compliance where they just have a man stand in the background? There's one no. point where the, the topless ac ac acrobat that comes in and basically outshines him completely and he, he sort of slips away into the background and the next time the camera turns to him genuinely he's got his arms folded standing still 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's a really weird one. And I'm so glad that you brought this up, Dan, because it's one of the reasons why I included it in the countdown was it is bizarre. And now there's no rule that you have to have uh, male and female performers or anything like that. Um, but you tend to want both male and female voices uh, just to balance things out. It's why um, Sack has had a female backing vocalist with him. Um, and this man is obviously a, a singer as well as a dancer for this act, hence why they quite awkwardly cut to him and the other backing vocalist at times. Um, yeah, but the the choice to make him stand out quite as much as they do by putting him in, in green rather than red is, is strange. It is always a difficult balancing act. It's like those dance acts that you always have on Britain's Got Talent, where they've got 40 teenage girls and then there's one boy in there it's like do you dress them the same as all the girls do you dress them to stand out differently it's a it's a difficult balancing act and it never works out well but i feel like the choice to put them in a green tracksuit is potentially not the right one here i think we've dum tech teched that as much as we can so um shall i ask for du's poise Yes, Phil, I will give this my deuce point. It was a tight one this week for me between this Greece and one of the acts that we're about to cover. Um, but for me, the Yoki Papai vibes, the use of the Turkish culture in the act and, and the song um, was enough to push it ahead for me. So 12 points to Turkey. OK, nil poires, nil poires. Nil, nil poires. Excellent. It's a positive outlook for, for Turkey there. Uh, what about predictions? Let's go to Simon. I think this probably did pretty well. I like, as Dan said, the cultural influences, and I think it's it's got that kind of 2003 Turkey vibe where they won. So I quite like that. Also, shout out to the guy in the crowd with the inflatable hammer with the Israeli flag on it. Difficult to tell if that's a political statement or not. Um, but overall, yeah, I think this is probably a song that's destined for the top 10. Uh, and I'd probably say seventh. Okay. Now we move on to song number four. Now, let it never be said that this podcast is a dictatorship. I usually pick the songs, but when there is a special request, I will sometimes listen and sometimes take a view as to whether or not to include it. <laughs> this week, the blame for one of the songs is laid squarely at the door of one of our panellists. I'll leave you to guess who. In the meantime, this is the Switzerland entry. The song is from a band called Lovebugs, and the song is called The Highest Heights. From the highest heights of the song to the lowest lows of the podcast, I hand you on to Mr. Simon Rickenback. Yeah, thanks, Phil. It's uh, not often that you get real stars entering Eurovision uh, and perhaps inspired by Dima Bilan and his victory in the previous year. Lovebugs enter this year really at the high point in their career. 
just after their third consecutive number one album in Switzerland. Um, musically, the, it's sort of a classic mid-2000s indie sound, which is perhaps in 2009 a little bit dated. But yeah, I think it's a, a really great song. I still listen to this song and indeed this album. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I think it's uh, a great Eurovision song. Pleasantries nice. out the way. Who's going to uh, rip into this first? Uh, let's let Mini. Mini, do you want to tear this apart first? Well, I think, as Michael Jackson would call this, bad. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like The Killers again, which is the worst thing I can say about a song. The front man looks a bit like David Guetta. It reminds me of... Um, Alex and Dan will know what I'm talking about. Drive Shaft, the band from Lost. <laughs> with their, yeah. the wanky haircut. Yes. <laughs> you all, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Simon's nationalism has really uh, taken over here. This is a piss poor effort. Alex, uh, what do you hate about this song? <laughs> Do you, do you remember in uh, about 2008, The Verve released a single, um, Love Is Noise, and it was sort of their sort of later attempt at a kind of comeback, and I think they broke up as a band the next year, and it sounded absolutely awful, because I think they'd all just been smoking one too many cigarettes, and had one too many scotch and sodas, and it had sort of completely wrecked their vocal cords. These are my feelings for the Love Bugs lead singer as well. He's so gravelly. He, 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 he sounds awful throughout. Um, you know, they've, they've come on in this kind of indie, dressed in black and leather vibes, but then it's a very well-lit stage, which looks really odd and out of place, as if they, you know, this is a band that should probably be singing in a dingy pub somewhere. Instead, they somehow managed to luck their way into a really well-lit stadium and it just looks a little bit like a matinee or a kind of you know the the main act has, has come down with laryngitis <laughs> and so these guys have had to step in and so they haven't got a light show to support them it, it looks really basic really amateur mm. and it's just an awful song i'm sorry simon but your 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 sympathies for switzerland are, are getting in the way here this is not a strong effort at all I'm 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 amazed you say that they're massive artists in Switzerland, Simon, because as Alex said, there is just a back of a pub vibe about this. I I would have had no idea these guys were huge. None at all. I think the singing if some of it's stylistic, but I also think that Adrian would admit that he's he's not on top form here. Um You just and- told us that it, they were in the richest form of their career. Well, they, they, they've got another best-selling album or whatever. Well, they've said they've they've had three best-selling albums at this point, um, and then they have this Eurovision performance. And uh, I think it's fair to say this ends their career. Um, if the performance isn't great, and they they sort of know that they blame it on a few things like not being used to playing in stadiums where they've got cameras and stuff like that. But yeah, they they never really so, recover. Sorry, they are Switzerland's top-selling recording artists. And they are not used to performing with cameras. Not, not with like, yeah, the, the amount of like Eurovision interaction that is going on. Um, but yeah, they, they basically they they 
they release a few more albums after this one, but none of them do particularly well. Um, and I think, yeah, I do think the the sort of poor singing performance here does sort of sour them in the the minds of the Swiss public. Well, he gets stranded on that island with the polar bears, doesn't he? <laughs> Out of interest, uh, Simon, how how many sales does it take to become a best-selling album in in Switzerland? I was just looking up this this album is uh, not this album, sorry, the one before is platinum. A platinum. platinum. Yeah, four hundred people bought it. In yeah, three hundred and fifty people. Platinum twenty thousand in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> platinum in the UK a million. <laughs> <laughs> twenty thousand, mate. That's, I mean, that's podcast listening figures. We've we've gone platinum in Switzerland, mate. <laughs> So, um, do's and nils. Uh, Simon, do you want to give this your do's point? Yeah, I do. Um, I, so I know that the performance isn't great um, comparatively, but I think it's a really good song. And the, uh, like I say, the studio version is is much better. Yeah, and I, I, I do really like this band. And like I say, I listen to them now. So uh, I couldn't resist giving them my 12 points. So Simon's given this his do's point. Um, I think all three of the rest of you still have your nil poires to offer. So, Dan? Yes, you know, I nearly didn't give this my nil poire, right? Because I, after listening to this for the first, first few times, I ended up, the song ended up in my head. And in my head, the version in my head was kind of all right. It was kind of nice, kind of, kind of, kind of catchy. And I thought, oh, OK, so maybe it's not this one. Um, and then I came back and watched it again. And I remembered, no, no, the actual version is pretty terrible. So, yeah, nil poire. Alex? This goes my nil poire. It's rubbish. Mini? Yeah, I'd like to give Simon my nil poire, please. Okay. Uh, predictions, Alex? Um, I predict that this didn't qualify for the final and that Switzerland were given a five-year ban from Eurovision for sending such dross. I mean, for as competitive as Switzerland have been, they might as well have been. Uh, right. Uh, song number five. Now, I know that we've got at least one Doos Poire still on the table. And for fans of the podcast, you know, I do quite often like to give uh, Dan the weirder selection of song to introduce. So we know we're on for a good one here. This is Albania's entry in 2009. I don't think we've covered Albania before on the podcast. So it's exciting. They've bought something worth commenting on. Uh, this is uh, Casey Toller with her song, Carry Me In Your Dreams. showing you've never ever seen everything at Eurovision before have you? Dan why don't you talk us through this visual monstrosity? So uh, earlier tonight when Alex introduced the Turkish song he described how it was 
quite eerily similar to the neighbor Grease's song from the year before, um, Calamira's uh, Secret Combination. And evidently, Albania, another neighbor of Greece, have gone for a similar thing as well. They've also looked at Calamira and said, yes, we want that. Um, clearly taking inspiration, uh, and particularly after Calamira's wardrobe change. Uh, it seems as they've used the same dress, maybe slightly different color, but it's the same. Um, and also, um, the way that they use the scantily dressed woman and then some weird backing dancers that keep picking her up into different poses and different, different strange things. Um, I quite like this one. I think there's some Albanian cultural influence in there somewhere, um, but much of it is lost behind the heavy thump thump of the of the dance track. Um, and in a similar fashion, the staging is quite confused. There are two mimes, as far as I can see, and what appears to be a gimp from the explicit version of Avatar, released in 2009. Um, but the mimes don't really mime, and the Avatar gimp's purpose seems to be to caress Kisi from behind, which perhaps that is what the, the gimp does in the explicit version of Avatar. I've not seen it, so I wouldn't know. Um, it's good, but it's also really weird. Um, okay, uh, I don't have I don't have much to add at this point. Uh, Simon. Yeah, I I, I um, didn't really know what to make of this. It sort of looks like they've got they've decided to enter all the Batman villains, and they've got sort of there's Harley Quinn, there's Joker, and then there's like a budget Mister Freeze. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't understand why they've gone for these costumes. It's quite a good song, but it's just bizarre. They've got good dancing, decent singing. I don't really need to, you know, I didn't really need to find out what it would look like if you bred a disco ball with the Blue Man Group. <laughs> I disagree with Simon. I absolutely want to see what happens if you breed a disco ball with the Blue Man Group. I think that's what Eurovision is all about. I liked having the turquoise gimp. I liked the mask break dancers who she climbs on. I thought that was a, a nice innovation. Uh, Alex, what did you think? Yeah, uh, a, a powerful song, an intense song, um, delivered really well in front of a wind machine, and that it, it looks pretty spectacular as a result. Um, you've got the added additional intrigue of, as Dan mentioned and I mentioned earlier, another one of Greece's neighbours copying Greece's act from the year before. All of these little morsels of, of entertainment intrigue just completely forgotten by the fact that one of the blue men group has taken a wrong turn backstage um and similarly there are two guys on their way to robbing a bank who've taken a wrong turn themselves i'm trying to uh, with the exception maybe of horsehead man yeah uh from 2017 was it mm -hmm. i'm trying to think of a, a time when the backing dancers have have become the story um of, a, of an entry usually you try and pair your stage show with a sort of meaning within the song somewhere uh, this can be very uh overt so uh, there was a song a while back where they sang about butterflies and then all of the singers lifted their arms and they had butterfly wings it was awful um and and then other times it's slightly more obtuse I do not really understand the the staging of this one at all. The only vague concept that I can understand of it is that they're going for that bizarreness of your dreams occasionally with, you know, this circus-inspired performance. But it's it's more nightmarish than it is 
love dreams which i think is what the the lyrics are uh, supposed to but hey ho okay it's memorable if nothing else and it's it's always good to be memorable right hmm. well we'll find out we will find out it's a very good point good okay we'll go on then to do's and nil points now most of you used up your nil points on switzerland good choice um so i don't think there's any nils up for grabs but uh do's is yeah i'll give this my do's point it was as michael jackson would say off the wall <laughs> so something i've done before guess the age how old do we think uh Kesa is here this game normally works that it's someone who looks much older than they are so is she five <laughs> She is 16. It doesn't surprise me. She does look really young. What surprises me is that her parents permitted her to dance on stage in Moscow with a gimp. <laughs> <laughs> that was 2009. Uh, it was a big Eurovision. And, and there's lots of things that I didn't include in the, in the podcast. There was um the balkan girls that like to party there was some some rapping fins there was a nil point semi-final entry from from czech republic um there was an elvis impersonator there was um dita von Tees on a occasionally gyrating sofa there was a ukrainian act with some semi-naked um trojans and a drum kit that was dragged across the stage all of this didn't make it in. So these must be five great songs that I selected. Or I've made a terrible choice. But you can all thank me because I didn't include Kiara from 1998, who was back again. But none of you liked her and her wink at the camera. So uh, <laughs> uh, you, you have that on me. It's also the UK's best performance for a very long time with Jade Ewan. It's my time, and there was a strange melting man sat at the piano for that one. Um, but on with the results. The UK came fifth this time around, so out of all of these songs, only one of them beat it. <laughs> so our non-qualifier out of these five songs was Switzerland and the Love Bugs. Probably said that they were strangers in Moscow. Listen, mate, do you want to be starting something? <laughs> right. Um, the, uh, in 21st place was Sweden and Greta's mum. This, this, uh, this was a bit of a rough time for Sweden in, in Eurovision. Their entry in 2010, next year, didn't make the final. The only time that's ever happened to Sweden. They, uh, they had a, uh, a, a long think about that one after that. 17th was Albania and that fever dream. 7th place was Sakis Ruvas for Greece. And our number one this week was Hadise with Dumtek Tek. Dan, actually, your, your 12 and your nil were correct predictions. You are in touch with the common man of 2009. How does that feel? It was about time, I think, um, <laughs> after, oh, yeah, what, yeah. 15 podcasts of, of being against... Uh... <laughs> the, the flip side of it is maybe it sounds like you're stuck in 2009 a little bit, but... <laughs> in many uh, ways I am. It's just history. Oh. Yeah. 
this is really painful. People at home, if you would like this to stop, we can't stop until we get enough listeners. Oh! Yeah, we need to, do need to remember the time because uh, my bad, my laptop's only got 90 minutes battery left. Uh, so Hadise might have won tonight, but it was, in fact, Alexander Reback that won with his all-time classic fairy tale. Now that's how you write a song. Uh, and so next year we are off to Oslo, but not on this podcast. No, next week we are taking a jump into the future. Uh, we are going, not not the future from here, but the future from 2009 uh, to <laughs> 2015. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great year. We are in Vienna in Austria. Uh, and we have some opera for you. Uh, we have Australia's debut at the contest. So lots of exciting things to look forward to. So I will see you all there. So from my panellist buddies, it's good night. Good night. Beat it. Yeah, I can't think of any more. I'm in a bit of a jam. You're not, you're not alone, Phil. Alex, that's dangerous. It's, it's just human nature. She's a Liberian girl. She makes me want to scream. There could be blood on the dance floor. Smooth criminal, Simon. Okay. Can you all just leave me alone? What happened to this podcast? Oh,